Hi, everyone. Welcome to Hey, Hey, Agave. Today, we would like to welcome Felix Hernandez Monterosa and Adriana Correa of Mezcal Quiche, Mezcaleria Quiche, and their new project, Agua del Sol. We are also joined by Fred Sanchez of Bad Hombre Importing. And as always, I'm your host, Sabrina and Gabrielle. Gabs, hi. How are you doing? Good to see you guys. This is the first time that we have this many this many people in the chat is pretty exciting it's very exciting and we also have a new video component that's great for us as well so we can see each other um it's been a journey over the pandemic of trying to get our audio and visuals connected properly so um, i want to thank everyone for being with us today and i figured we could just open it up um, with adriana i would love to talk to you about the newest project to start out with agua del sol so um, can you please give us a little bit of the origin story how you guys decided to create this project and and what it is yeah, well, uh, Agua del Sol, it's a new project that was born from the need to give movement to the mezcal batches produced by maestras and maestros who, for various reasons, would not be certified, but it contains the magic of those who produce them through alchemists, mages, and teachers. We have a, a poem um, that called El... Mago de las Montañas, that later uh, come from a song, both written by Felix, and there is the genesis of the of Agua del Sol. The his, the story it's about an older man, an alchemist, who methodical, passionately, and with great wisdom, distilled the energy from the sun contained in the agave from a long time into a liquid magic. This is the spirit that we refer as Agua del Sol. Like the ma maestras and maestros, the, the man, the older man, represent all the maestras and maestros who distills the, the mezcal from us, like an alchemist. The, the meaning of the name, it's closely linked with those who are the alchemists of Agua del Sol, who extract the, the spiritual liquid. After all, it is ma these maestros and maestras who give us the opportunity to feel emotion and, and enjoy the flavors and aromas from their distillates. With our sense, they are the masters. The idea is to give a new significance to the world of maestro and maestra as a magic, a, a majestic and an alchemist who transform the matter. The history of distillation from the Persian heritage and with Arab contributions is intimately linked with those who are looking for the elixir of the eternal life or the philosopher's stone. It discovered was the supreme object object of the alchemist. This is how today methods dominated by maestros and maestros we refired. Agua del Sol share a part of this heritage as a Mexican distillate 
in general are enriched by all the wisdom that journeyed from the East along with the Europeans. Uh, if you want to read the story about the El Mago de las Montañas, you, you can read it in in our media, in the social media places from Agua del Sol. I think that that is so absolutely beautiful. Um, and maybe we can post it up on the Hey Hey Agave site um, for this episode so that people can read it there as well. That would be really cool. And I guess for those of you that don't know, um, Felix is an artist and a poet. Um, the poetry part I, I wasn't familiar with, but I'm really looking forward to reading that. So um, I just I wanted to add, uh, and this is Fred speaking, um, for anyone not familiar with um, the concept of the Philosopher's Stone, um, that refers to a mythical substance that's supposed to change um, really any metal um, into gold or silver, and according to some, um, to also cure um, all diseases and prolong life indefinitely. Um, so like, that's the idea behind um, you know, alchemy and its search for you know, this water from the sun is there is there any uh link to uh elder communities in oaxaca that have some kind of philosophy similar to this is this is this i i know you know alchemist is not necessarily a term that people will use in in uh latin america uh per se but is is there something similar on the on the you know Oaxacan community the the Mesoamerican community? Well, the communities in Oaxaca talk about the alchemist like Han a maestro or maestra because they know everything you have to know from the entire life. I can go from a community and say I'm a maestra mezcalera because I, I can give my own that that name the community give the name to the to a person who who considerate a master of all the things about the life because the master the masters of mezcal or los maestros del mezcal y las maestras um, know about the fields know about the seasons know about the um, animals and the life and the, and even uh, spiritual things and the spiritual events and for that uh, uh, the name of maestro or maestra from the different techniques uh, that they dominate it's from a figure a really significant of respect in a community that's so fascinating so I, I guess it would be they would be considered um like a maybe like a healer right or a uh you know a person who is there to care for the community maybe like i don't know mind body spirit kind of thing yeah in some gabriel mentioned something like usos y costumbres and when you have this uh, this form of regula government regulation that we don't understand, even you who aren't there, uh, the the maestra or maestro, the people who have the res re completely respect in, 
to the community is the people who take the decisions from the future of the community. And the, the maestra and maestro mezcalero have this, this respect because the community recognize the, that person specifically, sorry, for, with that, uh, in, in, that importance into the community. So they're a component of that structure of, of the people that would be the elders that would make the decisions for the community. They're part of that structure. Yeah, correct. That's so cool. Um, and it just, it, it really emphasizes the point that these maestras y maestros have such um, well-rounded and deep knowledge of, um, of the community, of the, the flora and the fauna around the land, um, and are held in, in such high regard. Um, which leads me to, to you, Felix. Um, your family has a very long history of mezcal production, as well as um, the selling of mezcal uh, in Oaxaca, in Matatlan. Um, so can you, can you please share with us uh, some of that family history? Guys, um, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Gabriel and Sabrina. Uh, thank you for having us and congratulations for this work you do of promoting mezcal stories. Um, since you can reach more people about this highly complex spirit, uh, many such stories are so interesting. Uh, we think more books, even movies, uh, should be written about them. Okay. I come from a family of mezcal producers and sellers uh, from Santiago Matatlán, um, the Monterrosa family, which is a very large as dedicate ourselves to this activity by tradition. Uh, there are a large producer and artisan producers. Uh, my grandfather, Pedro Monterrosa, was a worker from other palenques. Um, later, he decided to build his own mezcal palenque, and it was uh, he who decided to open new trade roads. Sadly, my grandfather Pedro died died very young, but fortunately, he left the path of new roads to my uncles. Uh, for example, the main market was Tehuacán, Puebla since that was the whole road to Mexico City, and it reached uh, Orizaba, Veracruz. And in fact, my grandfather uh, created a brand called El Nectar Zapoteco. Uh, it, it still exists, and my uncles work with that uh, brand. And my whole life has been behind the mezcal counter, all my friends, acquaintances, and my wife I've met through my work in mezcal and in the world of the art. And my fathers also had a mezcal expendio, a mezcal store called La Fuente. Uh, from 1984 to 1992, and later my parents separated, and my mother opened a uh, a mezcal store with my grandmother in Tehuacán, Puebla, where I spent part of my childhood. 
Uh, but I have the influence of the artisan part uh, of my uncle, uh, Cornelio Monterrosa, who was the founder of the Union de Palenqueros in Oaxaca. I'm, I'm very proud of him because of his work promoting artisanal, artisanal mezcal in the 19s. And we hear that mezcal is sold much more now um, that there is a mezcal boom, uh, but the reality is that uh, it was sold much more than uh, my uncle tell us that the community wait in long lines to buy mezcal in bulk. You just mentioned something super important, that is the Unión de Palenqueros, that we can do a full podcast about it, so we're not going to go that yeah. deep. Uh, but the Unión de Palenqueros is by what I understand now that I didn't understand before is the is the arrow point of mezcal as we know it because there was the first time that a group of palenqueros from a certain region got together and and it's, it's like a uh, the first agrupation that had power on on the market for mezcal and that was that was absolutely amazing that it happened exactly. so okay the people wait uh, in long lines to buy mezcal in bulk, in garrafones, uh, also in cántaros de barro negro, uh, this uh, clay pottery. And in the best times, uh, in the best times, and that they sold uh, 2,000 to 3,000 liters in a weekend. My family didn't know, uh, but that was uh, a paradise uh, because uh, without so many regulation, taxes, and bureaucracy. Um, because in the past, when you put a expendio de mezcal, uh, the people come, but now, there are a lot of competition, uh, and, and, and you have knocking uh, more doors. Um, it, it was uh, then that the mezcal began to lose prestige. It was even just a pejorative symbol of the lower class. At the end of the 18th, the Conejo appears. Uh, this refers to the adulteration of mezcal with aguardiente. That still happens. Yes. In fact, uh, my uncle Jose Monterrosa uh, fought against adulteration because he sold mezcal from the Yautepec, Sotitlan, and Matatlan regions. Uh, so if a liter of mezcal costs 20 pesos, uh, a liter of conejo costs only 5 pesos. Uh, in addition, other drinks uh, such as uh, brandies or as rum or beer began displacing mezcal from the daily life and celebration of the communities. Uh, and now, uh, as we have be been able to see mezcal is in another place, uh, we can find it at the best table um, and restaurants. Uh, this is incredible. If my grandfather could see where mezcal is positioned today, he wouldn't believe it uh, because he suffered with the the, the um, 
the agents and the fake agents who confiscate palenques and liters of mezcal, like uh, many other small producers from different regions, from Oaxaca. Uh, mezcal has always been a drink that Oaxacan people use in their daily lives. Uh, I believe there are things that must be changed to advance and progress. Well, Lisa, I have a question with that, and, and it's something that I think you might know. Um, and it's, a, it's a, a very simple, and it's just, do you know, you mentioned right now that they were fake agents. You know, there were people coming to the distillers and pretty much either destroying them or taking their liquid. Or they were the fake agents that they're probably somebody that is basically just stealing the production to sell it somewhere else or, or adulterate, adulterate the production in some way or form. Do you know how, how if there's a, a, a timeline that you say it started more or less here and end up here, how long does that problem happen in Oaxaca? Because I know that was, that was a lot of the biggest problem that the Oaxacan producers have for a long time, that it was, they were, it was a, it's a, it's a quiet per, persecution, but it was there uh, to the community. Do you know the times where, where the persecution of Mezcal was happening? Uh, at the finally 16th and 17th uh, is correct. Uh, yeah, 60, 60 and 70s, right? Sí, Noven yes. En los 60 y en los 70s. Okay. Sí. Um, and not only this persecution, not only uh, in Matatlan regions, uh, in, in many different, in Miahuatlan, uh, in Santa Catarina Minas, in, in many regions. And um, this persecution was, um, how do you say, um, a, 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 a trade with the big producers, uh, a, a, like it's a corruption uh, yeah. for to um, for to keep the how do you say monopoly of the the alcohol drink. Yeah, knowing knowing that mezcal is a is a delicious and precious liquor. And knowing that it will easily displace a lot of this inferior in quality and some of them in taste, uh, so the, this monopoly that you're talking about that's is, a, is the one of the main things that exactly. uh, propels propels the, the the persecution of mezcal in some way or form, just to minimize it and you know take out your competitor in some way or form. So let's talk a little bit more about Agua del Sol, um, a little more practically, as in the brand. Um, how long ago did you guys uh, develop uh, it as a brand? Okay, the idea uh, came from two years ago, but in uh, in a pandemic time, one year ago, we offered the that batches that the maestros can sell by herself because because the situation and we offer that batches from uh, close close people to us because they one of the philosophy of the brand agua del sol it's that the people who recognize in mezcal part of 
her identity, can buy the mezcal and include it again in her in her celebration life and her old life, like uh, rituals or something, and not only celebration. And for the highest prices that mezcal ha have now, they the people the commune people or the original drinkers of the mezcal can buy the one liter or can drink the her own beverage and for that and because the the masters uh, have batches to sell in for various reasons they can certify for the pandemic too and for other reasons uh, we can sell and start uh, that project with uh, more shape that not only sell liters of mezcal. We can shape the idea with a philosophy and with design bottle and with a with a team to sell the the butter, the batches. You know, that's so cool. So, um, and I, you know, we'll include pictures on our website. Um, let's talk a little bit about the bottles that you guys designed these garrafones for um, the community to come purchase mezcal. Uh, can you describe them for our listeners? Yes. Uh, in Mexico, we have uh, garrafones from five and 10 liters. Uh, like the people can buy mezcal a granel. Um, because the in in the past the people buy uh, a lot of liters in that kind of garrafones or cantaros from black pottery, and the garrafones uh, are similar to to those cantaros or garrafones, and it's it's cool. You and you can buy a a garrafón with the name and from Agua del Sol that it's paint uh, it's handmade painter and they're so cool and you have five or ten liters to drink a lot of good mezcal. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of really good mezcal. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, why you guys are bottling as an agave spirit uh, instead of mezcal, because I, I should also mention that you um, are also part of the collective of Mezcal Quiche, which which is by name uh, a mezcal. But Agua del Sol is going to be um, a spirit distilled from agave. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yes, Agua del Sol it's, uh, came from uh, the home Quiche. And we decided to to have a brand of uh, spirit because the, the one most important reason it's the taxes and the, yeah the taxes and the certified the CRM uh, and the, it's part of the of the same home uh, but. In Quiche, the cooperative, the producers are part of the cooperative. They are partners. We are partners in, in Quiche, all 
for example, the Maestro Francisco have uh, it's part of the cooperative, and in this year they can change um, and remodulate her palenque because the because it's at the time again it's part of the of the cooperative. But in Agua del Sol, from various reasons, the process to be part of the of the cooperative, like you you have to have a re registration in uh, in the SAT from pay taxes and later in CRM to certify your batches. And that process will be slowly to sell the mezcal. And for that, an, alter an alternative is to sell like um, a spirit with Agua del Sol. With those batches that you're um, that you're using from these uh, producers that are also, I would assume, friends and more like family with you guys, um, is the idea to to continue that relationship for a, for like long term? Yes. Um, the producers that work with Agua del Sol, we Felix know know them about 12 years or more and it's an it's closely people to us and to wish to the cooperative it's not only a transaction you know it's uh, it's because you say a, a, an important thing that we are like family in more with the relationship with Felix is closely to to me maybe and to other and to other people because they they are like like family and they trust each other and respect uh, the word in in Oaxaca the transactions uh, more than a paper or a signed it's from the word to the people you know if you say something you have to you have to to be right with with you you say and that's the, the that's kind of the transactions that Felix made with the producers that are uh, different relation uh, more than only the commercialization of the batches as agua del sol grows over time um, will you be expanding with the, the friends of yours and uh, the producers that will be added? Um, is that the idea that you all kind of grow together? Yes, it's, uh, it's um, but, but this is, this is a very big job with the administration yeah. and all the team. It's, it's the idea because we have to, to prevent the, or, or you have to, to have a, an, a, a different um, a different goal that only sell the skull, you know that all the people can rope up, and this is a lot of work. But we for that we start with the producers that they're, they're part of the cooperative of Quish because that's the first uh, step. But later we it's it's uh, it was it, it would be very great to rope out together with other producers with our soul too.
just I, I want to say uh, that the that the work that the Mezcal Squish Cooperative uh, has been fruitful and some other maestros and maestras uh, have expressed uh, their interest in collaborating with Quish uh, due to the certification procedures and taxes, the process is longer to be able to work together. And that is why our soul is an alternative for maestros uh, that we have meet over the past few years of our work with Quish. Um, in addition uh, to buying mezcal, Quish uh, buys agave locally for the maestros, but uh, also uh, have their own greenhouse um, plantation. You know, Sabrina and I, we were talking uh, yesterday night and just trying to figure out uh, a few of the talking points. And this this mezcal ecosystem idea uh, keep on popping in our brains of how how to how do you address this? How do you talk about this uh, on on a on a on a way that is is complicated enough to know that it has so many moving parts? But if I ask you a very simple question, like what will be the one thing that Quish puts more effort? in this ecosystem knowing that has a better a better yield of of your effort on time and 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 and, and work what will be that one th thing that the, the the whole committee of the whole idea that you guys are doing puts the most effort in the ecosystem that we, i'm trying to say what will be the one that you said um the the philosophy is to respect our words and commitments made. Um, we are a family that works intimately with each producer. Uh, all our producers, for example, have children who have gone to university and become educated. Uh, thanks in part of the growth of Mezcal. Um, their palenques have also been improved over time. We have worked with them for at least 12 years. And these things uh, take a lot of time. Uh, we are currently refurbishing Maestro Francisco's palenque in Nahuatlán. Um, in 2019, we participate in a reforestation uh, of wild agaves in Matatlan in conjunction with the community authorities because we believe that this is a fund fund fundamental fundamental action to achieve or approach a balance. Uh, the maestros um, themselves uh, already have seed lines of cultivated agaves which is an important contribution on their part. Uh, however, uh, we know that there is still a lot of work to do. Uh, and today, uh, we don't call ourselves 100% sustainable. Uh, but if we continue working toward this in a few years, 
uh, maybe uh, we we may become advanced in this area and we are cooking um and a different projects from transform the waste in an uh, um a different material that it that it's not more bad impact from the ecosystem but it's uh we have a lot of questions and we know that it's a very good challenge that's great um thank you so much uh i would love i would love if if maybe i don't know fred if you want to speak to this or adriana felix um why don't we move into uh, the relationship that you guys have cultivated together um, with Bairambre and Agua del Sol? Sure. Um, so let's see, where to start? Um, we, Adriana and I met um, in 2014 um, while I was living in Mexico City working at a nonprofit called Enseña por México or Teach for Mexico. Um, and, and my background is, is really all in higher education. So I got to Mexico because of just a personal interest um, in doing some soul searching. And um, I grew up going to Mexico. Um, so that's sort of, you know, a little bit about like, how I got into, into Mezcal and Adriana was the first person um, to, to sort of teach me more than, um, um, than I knew, <laughs> which was very little at the time. But um, we had both left the nonprofit um, later in the year and then she had moved back to Oaxaca and invited me down um, and I went with a friend and she was working at a, um, at a at a very hip sort of mezcal shop um, at the time, and so we got to try all different kinds of um, rare agaves, and um, that was all very interesting to me. Um, and um, I had begun work um, doing something different, um, still in education, um, and I was doing research um, that was related to the experiences of young people that had been deported from the US um, back to Mexico. And so um, after that experience down in Oaxaca and then realizing um, that I couldn't find those artisanal spirits uh, even in Mexico City, um, I really thought that there was an opportunity to uh, both sort of work to um, bring those spirits to our, our friends and family in the U.S. and also help create sort of a, a more sustainable uh, stream of revenue um, for the nonprofits um, and, and the people um, offering services to the, the return migrant community in Mexico. Um, so that's sort of the story of, of, of both Bad Ombre and then how um, Adriana and I met. How does that stream of revenue work? Um, like, what's the mechanism of that? Like, to get back to nonprofits or the communities? Yeah, so it's um, twofold um, because at this point we haven't settled on any one uh, organization. So we're working with two nonprofits um, called 
um, Otros Dreamers in Acción and Dream in Mexico, um, and also with an individual um, in Oaxaca um, that's working um, to create um, a, a, a center, basically, uh, a Casa de Migrante, um, specifically for um, return migrants in Oaxaca, um, which is actually um, the home to the biggest population of return migrants from the U.S. and Mexico. Oh, that's so interesting. So like a portion of the sales profits would be um, filtered down in that way? Exactly. And, and that's directly from Bad Ombre, um, which is, is pretty unique um, and, and different, I would say, from other brands that are, are doing you know, sort of um, corporate responsibility, um, if you will. Um, in areas that are, you know, even related to sustainability um, and, and other things um, like getting fair trade certifications, etc. Um, we don't see too many um, importer distributors, um, you know, sort of getting into that um, local sort of, um, you know, work to, to better the communities. There's there's a space, Fred, that is 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 something that Sabrina and I talk often of, uh, through nights of drinking and talking and trying to figure out how to how to how to approach, a the language that we use with with folks like you guys and and trying to understand more of the of the complexity of the world of mezcal, and and the mezcal that we you know, the, what we see in the States also. And so we, we hear this word sustainability fairly often. And through things that I have to do at work, I started doing a little research because in Spanish, sustentabilidad is not the same as sostenibilidad. O sea, algo que es sostenible, no necesariamente sustentable. Mm. Uh, and it's a very interesting concept because I try to research in English And it was a very, comp like, as soon as I put su sostenible, it came as sustentable. And the difference is sustainable is something physical. It's, it's something that you, you, you are able to help maintain, grow, do, uh, modify, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And sustainability in, in Spanish is just a concept when you you're able to sustain your conceptual your thought so i thought how incredible how incredibly different is to talk about agave and mezcal and production with the idea of sustainability right when in reality is sustainability okay sustain sustainable no sustainable uh, and i was trying to explain this to sabrina because in concept it sounds very simple but is conceptual versus physical. No, I think it's very interesting. Um, I, I haven't actually looked into that, that nuance or the, the difference um, in the translations there, um, but I think it's- it, Sosten Sostenible, from... and even, even, if you, even if you just think about it, sostener, like to, to, to hold something, Right. Yeah. That's a sustento. That is like what is get the sustento. What it gives you the sustento of something, you know, that gives the essence of it. But I think that's that's exactly what Felix was was referring to in 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 you know in response to your question about the relationships because 
what I heard was about you know their philosophy being um, the 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 respect um, for the word that they have between the partnership um, yeah. and and their commitments made to you know um, individual producers and and whether or not you know there's a contract I think is sort of irrelevant yeah. um, because they have you know the commitment. Um, that's been made and, and sort of that's yeah. how they're sustaining um, each other. There, There is this one last third word that I keep on trying to figure out where it fits in this, in this conversation. That is, I make mezcal responsablement. I make this responsible. You can be sustainable in your productions, but are you being responsible towards the community are you being ethically responsible or are you being socially responsible uh so it's a it's a there's a there's a very interesting line in between all these these words that we use to explain our projects and what they really mean in action or what it really mean in sus in substance in like in the physicality of like oh we are we are somos un mezcal sustentable oh yeah how explain us a little bit more like i know that you're trying i know that they, there's an intention and an intent of doing something very good but intending something and actually achieving it there's a there's a gap of a lot of a lot of work to be a, to be done so i think the, the 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 word responsible i think is something that i i like hearing when people are understanding that they're very they're responsible for for what they can do and what they can afford to achieve they're doing the responsible thing of doing it it's, it's pretty it's pretty well, the, cool. the way that i have heard um, felix describe um you know their work and the reason for you know also wanting to expand um, agua del sol to more maestros mezcaleros um, is because of their attraction to the way that the cooperative works, uh, which I, I've heard him describe as honest work. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it's not sustainable. Maybe it's not, you know, um, you know, uh, totally uh, responsible for, you know, every aspect of, of negative externalities, um, but it's honest. Absolutely. There's this element that I, I heard, people like Felix and, and other Oaxacan friends talking about it, like, this is how we do it here. This is how the community works. This is how the culture is doing things. And and there's something very important to be said. Is like, we keep on talking, especially, you know, we, we have access to Hey, Hey Agave, and we keep on talking to a lot of different people in the, in the media, uh, in the mezcal world. But most of them are talking with the American eyes looking towards the Oaxacan side or the Mexican side, right? So when you're when you're far away seeing this and talking about sustainability, like what what method of sustainability are you talking about? Like what under under what guidance are you thinking sustainable means what over there, right? Where and there might be a bigger concept saying like there's there's you know general understanding what sustainable should be, uh, but nonetheless I, I think you know when I hear Felix talking in Spanish or we have conversation with other friends in Oaxaca, the sight is different. The the way that you see and perceive and and look and and work with people is a, is 
is the Mexican way. Is you're in the you're in another country with another culture, with another usos y costumbres. If you want to go that far, uh, and something that even that concept of usos y costumbres is nothing. It doesn't mean anything in the states, right? So when you're down there and you talk to the township or the people that they're in charge of the water or the people that they're in charge of the field or the community that is uh, the, in charge of transportation or bottling or whatever that is, you know, it like it's, there's so many tiny elements that is more pertinent to a cultural look than uh, industrial look. It, it, it gets interesting. Yeah. I think just hearing, hearing the way that you guys are explaining now also, uh, and the respect that that allows is, is pretty amazing lingering thoughts um, in response were that like that idea of the usos y costumbres um, you know reminds me of uh, a conversation that I was having with the team um, about gusto histórico um, and, and uh, Cornelio Perez um, you know from Mezcales Tradicionales de Mexico um, you know who, who writes that um, you know, this idea of gusto histórico that, you know, we strive to, um, you know, produce with, with our spirits um, or to share, you know, with our, with our imports um, is, is really only something that you can obtain or understand after, um, you know, spending a lot of time um, in these communities um, and, and conviviendo. Um, which is another word that I find doesn't have, you know, a very good translation um, in English. Um, and, and, you know, this, this idea of the gusto, you know, coming from, um, you know, sort of a, a daily, you know, um, living um, or, or, or the daily vicissitudes, um, I, I should say that, um, you know, sometimes require a bit of sipping um, and and a Adriana has mentioned that you know her her mother-in-law you know um, sips on and brings out her mezcal you know if there's an earthquake um, or if she's scared um, or um, for the sake of a celebration um, and you know these these tastes they have evolved over time and, and Similarly, like these ideas of what is a sustainable, you know, relationship and partnership, I think um, has evolved um, in, in much the same way. Um, so for us, you know, just having the opportunity to, to collaborate and to understand that um, is, is truly rewarding. And, and it, it, at the end of the day, it's, it's a big part of the reason why um, I got into agave spirits. Totally. Um, so, uh, what are, uh, the expressions that you guys are offering in the U S side of the market? Cause that's, I think that's mostly our listenership. Um, and how can people find you guys? Sure. So, uh, right now, um, we, we began, um, we, we launched I with a soul with, um, two brand with two expressions. Sorry. Um, one is the Mexicano from Maestro Francisco Garcia León in Miahuatlán. Um, and the second is a, a lovely Tobasiche from Maestra Berta Vázquez um, in San Baltasar Chichicapam. Um, and they're pretty small batches. 
Um, so we decided to just keep those for um, our Californians. Um, but um, so you can find them um, at, at most major retailers um, off premise and then on premise, uh, mostly in Southern California at the big agave spots like Madre, like Maestro, um, a newer one um, called Mirame. Um, and, and, and soon at a few more that we're pretty excited about. And then in, in Northern California um, at Copal. Um, and we're hoping um, to have a, a, another couple of batches, um, hopefully uh, one from Maestra Berta again, um, you know, later this spring um, and probably uh, another one from uh, a new producer. So we're pretty excited about that. And we're looking toward uh, opening up um, another another state um, later this year, um, and, and we're just um, you know still determining um, you know what our strategy will be in, in that respect. You know, it's it's You're opening New York. Yeah. Well, Gabs, don't jump the gun here. Uh, I think it's important to say that um, all the Californians are very, very lucky folks. And uh, those of us that are in other areas, um, and, well, I guess we'll just we'll keep our ears, our ears perked and our eyes peeled um, to see how you guys progress. Uh, you know, it's 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 a big job uh, ahead of you. Um, but I think it's going to be really, really exciting to see uh, how Agua del Sol um, develops over time. And I think with that, I just want to thank everyone for being with us today. Uh, hopefully this is uh, the first of uh, many conversations that we have together. And thank you for sharing your stories, Felix and Adriana uh, and Fred. And Sabrina and Gabriel for all your work with us because our English is now so well. <laughs> Thank you so much. And as I sip my last sip of uh, Berta, I will say saludita to everybody. Saludita. Thank you so much. Salud. This was a lot of fun. Hey Hey Agave is a production of Tuyo NYC. Brittany Prater is our editor. Your hosts are Gabriel Velasquez Zazueta and me, Sabrina Lassard. Our music is by Milagro Verde. Find them on Instagram at Milagro underscore Verde BK. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Salucita.